Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. We've created a new audio series, the Working Experience Masterclass, focused on advice to master skill, improve your life, and conquer work. Each podcast is short, roughly 10 minutes of actionable advice to push you forward in the game of life. Are you ready to hustle to an enlightened full life? Then buckle up and let the value pour into your ears. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. You stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. living his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie K, Roland Solo, and we're talking today, or I'm talking, I shouldn't say we, uh, I am talking about, it's part of the New York Times opinion series called America in Focus, and this one is about what your younger employees are really thinking. It can often be hard to know. I'm 48 years old. It can be hard for me to know what the attitudes of 25, 30 year olds are, 35 year olds. Um, Certainly things have been upended by the pandemic, but I would say that's been true always. I mean, it's, it's difficult for somebody who's, you know, 50 years old and has been working in the industry for 30 years to know what, uh, what a millennial is thinking about doing job searches about their place in the company about how long they're going to stay with the company generations ago somebody got a job at ibm and they stayed at ibm until they retired nowadays it's uh unbelievably flexible you know people going from this job to that job uh just the whole idea of being in the office and not really having your own office. You're working in these open plans, sometimes at just these big long tables, you're carrying your laptop around. That can leave an older person feeling rather unmoored, if you will, and not really with an anchor there. To a younger person, that's very natural. And But I do think it, it does have that psychological effect of temporary like I'm not really ensconced in an office I don't have pictures of my family up or um, you know pictures from my trip to China or whatever Um, it's this kind of lack of permanence so I I think even before the pandemic there was a lot of job hopping a lot more than used to go on and that's been accelerated by the pandemic you know the pandemic's definitely had negative effects on the job market but for a lot of people it's had rather positive effects um and it would certainly be hard for someone again of my age to really understand the mentality of a person just entering the job market and how they see it so according to this article here by adrian rivera and patrick healy 
um, younger people have political views, but they aren't interested in talking politics at the office. That's probably uh, something that's best to be avoided. Some like working from home, and others prefer the office, but most agree that they communicate better with colleagues when at the office. They want bosses who give constructive criticism, but some think their bosses are scared of them. They don't want to hurt feelings, a 30-year-old who works in auto sales said. Added a 33-year-old office manager, you're not going to hurt my feelings by telling me you'd like me to go in this direction or that direction. Which is good. I mean, that's refreshing. You can sometimes feel like you're tiptoeing around on eggshells because you don't want to say something to someone and they misinterpret what you say as, you know, meaning they're a bad employee. People want guidance. You know, older generations sometimes can have this arrogance about them. My way is the right way. They don't understand new technologies, new attitudes, and that can be difficult to deal with. But they also can have some wisdom. Like, look, this is the way that this works. This has worked for us in the past. And a younger employee wants that guidance. You know, they want somebody who's been through it to say, well, how do I do this? If it didn't work this way, what's a way I can do it that does work? I think sometimes we forget that in our zeal to make everybody feel comfortable well sometimes you got to feel uncomfortable to do new things you have to be comfortable with that you have to be okay with someone telling you no you didn't do that the right way this is the way you do it it's not personal it doesn't mean anybody's dumb or anything like that it's just they don't have the experience having said that it's also very important for older generations to listen to younger generations to be like okay i'm 50 years old you're 30 you tell me what 30-year-olds want. You tell me how to best make this a productive environment. Because a 50-year-old's vision of a productive office environment may not be that of a 30-year-old. It's been very hard for older people to adjust to the whole remote working thing. Again, it's that lack of connectedness, lack of permanence, which... The younger generation seems a lot more comfortable with so fair enough and also that younger generation which is difficult for the older generation maybe to feel okay about is that they have power more than any previous generation of their age and they know it in the latest times opinion focus group 12 millennial americans ages 26 to 33 discussed how the pandemic had upended and shaped their young careers and not all of it was bad. Now, several said they quickly realized what they valued most in life when they found themselves working from home. In some cases, instead of looking after their own families or health or finding professional satisfaction, they worked long hours with unsupportive managers or faced the expectation of returning to the office prematurely. Now, I've, I've heard, and I, I did a podcast about that. It was a guy in... Um, London who worked for Goldman Sachs and it just sounded like a nightmare that there were these absolutely unreasonable demands you were on the clock 24 hours a day and the more people complained about it they would do these sort of surface mitigations and they never lasted the managers just kept demanding more and more 
Um, and also, there's been so many starts and stops with calling people back into work that some people are okay with it, other people feel really uncomfortable with it. Um, so that was certainly a difficult thing to deal with. If earlier generations focused on paying their dues and putting up with tough treatment at work, some of the 12 focus group participants reveled in trying their luck in what a 29-year-old auditor called the open market of better paying and more fulfilling jobs. Now, this is where an older manager might feel like he or she needs to walk on eggshells because if you criticize somebody, I guess there's the fear that they're just going to pack up their stuff and walk out. Um, I have a friend who, this was pre-pandemic, but he owned a pizza shop. And just as an example, he's a little older than me, of dealing with um, younger employees, you know, who are in their late teens, early 20s. He asked somebody to help him just move something, and the guy told him to F off and walked out. And this was pre-pandemic. So I think there's sometimes that fear of, if I come down too hard on somebody or tell them not to wear sweatpants to work, they're going to go work someplace else, which gives them a lot of power. Um, quote here, prior to the pandemic, I think employers thought that employees were expendable and worked for their benefit. And now with the great resignation, I feel like it's kind of turned the tables, said a 26-year-old credit analyst. Employees have a lot of power. And so I think employers need to be able to show employees that they do care and value them. I've never felt that it's an employer's job to make an employee feel fulfilled. I mean, the job is the job. If you're a credit analyst, you work in finance, you're an accountant, a teacher, whatever you do, that's the job. I mean, ping pong tables and foosball tables and... Uh, craft beer on the lawn on Fridays and it's all fine but you know it, it's window dressing I mean if your job is just boring and mundane and you can't stand it and you dread going to work every day I don't really know how much an employer can do about that and I'm not sure how much how, how obligated they are I mean it's like you go into the job you know what it is and you do it and they pay you to do it uh, if you're not happy at it then you can either find another job or you do things outside of your 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 work day to fulfill you. You exercise, you write, you paint, you know, your family, whatever it is. And I'll also go back to what we frequently go back to on the Working Experience podcast. Millions of, of Americans don't have the luxury of thinking about their job in terms of fulfillment. They work to survive. They need a paycheck. They need to put food on the table. So sometimes I think a certain class of people in this society feel entitled and they already make a lot of money you know somebody i remember this um she had worked at facebook and she made like 120 grand a year and she talked about it not being fulfilling and all of that and like i get it but you're making one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year why is it facebook's job to make you feel fulfilled i mean there are people who clean motel rooms and they earn like $25,000 a year, and they don't have the luxury of thinking about fulfillment. So I always just put that in the background. <clears throat> um, but I would also say employers don't need to treat their employees like garbage. And I think back in like, you know, the, maybe even before, but the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, there was it was almost like a frat house, like hazing, 
making employees work 100 hours a week to see who would break and all of that. I don't think that's all that healthy. That may still go on in certain professions. But um, seeing employees as expendable, you know, if the company started to run into trouble, they would just lay a bunch of people off. And if you do that enough, then employees are not going to be loyal to you. And I, I don't think for a long time employers saw it that way. It was sort of like, you should feel grateful to work here. You should be loyal to us and give us your blood, sweat, and tears. But as soon as the market dips a bit, we're going to downsize you. We're going to lay you off. And you are expendable. And that's not a healthy situation either. Um, and it doesn't inspire a lot of loyalty. And I... I I would be bothered by the hypocrisy of that. You know, they talk about how valuable you are and um, how much you mean to the company. And, and I've, I've run into this in education as well. Uh, and then as soon as things aren't good, you're gone. You know, they have two security guards. I have a, a couple of friends who literally went through this. Uh, I think it was in 2008. You know, they'd worked at a company for like three, four years. One guy in particular, excellent employee. Next thing he knows, he's got two security guards standing on either side of him while he cleans out his desk. And that's humiliating. And that sends a very powerful message. Like, we don't care about you. Um, so it is very transactional. You know, and maybe that's the nature of business. It is transactional. We pay you for work. And maybe that's how both sides need to see it. And power always shifts. You know, sometimes labor has it. Sometimes management has it. It goes back and forth. So I would say... Uh, employees can enjoy it now. I don't know um, how long it's going to last, but why not? I, I don't know, you know, why shouldn't employees have power? Why shouldn't they be able to call the shots? They're the one doing the work. Now, on the other hand, the employers could say, yeah, but we're the ones paying you. Okay, you know, you see it both ways. Um, so the pandemic has raised a lot of these questions and not just fashion, what we're going to wear to work, but where are we going to work? What is that work going to look like? Are we going to be sitting at home, uh, looking at our computers? Are we going to be back ever in the traditional office environment? Is that what we want? Some people obviously do. They feel more comfortable with that. They feel like they're, they're anchored someplace. Um, and some people would be perfectly happy to sit in their pajamas all day, which I'm not sure that's uh, the best thing either. I will leave you with this. Uh, I know a kid, he's 16 or 17 years old. He just got a job as a busboy, $15 an hour plus tips. And you know what? When you're a busboy, you don't have to answer emails. You don't have to really deal with angry customers. You don't work out, I mean, outside of work hours. No one's calling you and asking you if you got that part of the project done. 15 bucks an hour. I'm, I'm giving serious, serious consideration to a career as a busboy. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to this edition of the Working Experience Podcast, and we'll be at you real soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. 
the end, the sweet end, until our next audio encounter.